Right, well, good morning, church. Uh, it's a privilege again to be here to share God's word with you. It's, it's a task that I'm getting to do more often, a task I'm in, enjoying to do more often. So today, uh, I got given a passage to preach by, by Matt, or I got given a list of passages to preach. And Joe and I, we sat there and we looked at these passages and we were like, thanks, Matt. <laughs> it was one of those very interesting journeys over the last three or four days, um, but a great journey. So, so hopefully, as I, the journey I'm going to take you on is, is obviously not the, the four days I went through. But, but just half an hour or so of just this great insight into this really short little passage that if, you didn't, if I didn't read it from the Bible, you wouldn't believe me it was there. But, but as, I, as I thought about this, this passage that we're going to preach on, I've, I remember seeing these adverts on TV. I don't know if it goes through like seasons of what they show on TV. But recently I've seen a whole bunch of more adverts for, for these modern day treasure hunters. You know, that they, they dig holes or they go to these abandoned islands where, where no one's ever beaten. They, they climb down caves, they dig tunnels, they, they dive to the bottom of these, these great ponds to, to look for these treasures. You know, they, they go look, they follow folktale, they follow stories. Little chips on rocks are great indicators of where to go. You know, they, they invest millions. And, and the, the reality is they, they find a coin and they invest millions more because, you know, there's more than just that one coin. So, so they hunt and they find. But the reality is the one that I saw the advert for, it's now season five, I think. And I think every season they find a coin. So, you know, five, five seasons of hunting for this great treasure, but they found nothing. However, today in the scriptures, we... We're going to read about a great treasure that we can discover. You know, one, one that's not hidden. One that we don't need to go search for. But, but rather one that's been brought out into full light. A treasure that we can find. A treasure that we can hold on to. And a treasure that we can share with others. So if you want to turn to Matthew 13, verse 51 and 52. It says this. Have you understood these things? Jesus said. To, and Jesus said. And the disciples said to him, yes. And then Jesus said, Therefore every scribe who has been trained in the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Let's pray. Lord, we just thank you for your word. Thank you that, that all of it is inspired by you. All of it is useful for, for correcting us, for training us, for building our faith in you. So I'll just pray for, for even these two short verses now that, that you'll speak life, Lord, that you'll change hearts through them, Lord. Pray for this in your name. Amen. All right, so when I first read that passage, I was like, okay, Jesus, what were you trying to say? And that was one of those very interesting parables when you, you look through the four Gospels. Often they, they, they appear in at least three of the four Gospels. You kind of get a bigger sense. This one only appears in Matthew. So then it made it a little bit harder, kind of going, okay, what is this all about? So, so today I'm going to try tackle this a little bit differently. I think three quarters of my sermon is going to be the introduction. But, but it kind of, if you look at this, this passage, passage, it comes at the end of this big teaching of Jesus. So we can't just jump in at the end. We've got to try to work our way through and understand what Jesus is, is talking about. So, so just hold on to your... Fasten your seatbelts, hold on, it's going to be a roller coaster ride, but 
hopefully one that, one that helps, one that puts us in the right mind of what Jesus is trying to say. So the reality is this passage doesn't sit in a vacuum. There's a, there's a bigger context that it fits in. And if you look just up, it's the seven parables that Jesus has just taught about the kingdom of heaven. The parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of leaven, parable of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great price, the parable of the net. The, the seven parables that Jesus has just taught about the kingdom of God. This is the, the revelation and this, the saving rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ the Messiah. You know, that he came to earth to, to die for sin, was raised to life, that, that there can be forgiveness of sin, that death can be defeated. These seven parables all point to the kingdom of God, not an earthly kingdom, not a kingdom that's man-made, but a kingdom that God has made. And, and this is the emphasis that, that is all about God. It's not something that we can take lightly. It's not something that we can just go, oh, well, it's like any other kingdom. No, this is the kingdom of God. This is God's great kingdom that won't fail. And this is why in verse 51, Jesus starts off with these words, have you understood these things? So have you understood what I've just taught you about the kingdom of God? Have you understood what, what I've mentioned in the last seven parables? And I think the disciples rightly answer, and they say, yes, we do. We, we understand what you're talking about. And the truth is they, they didn't really understand it all, but they understood more than what they did before. I always kind of feel like when I was thinking about this, for me the, the best example in my life is when I go to the doctor. You know, I go there and there's something wrong, and then the doctor tells you what's wrong. And then I'm like, okay, I understand what you're talking about, but I actually have no idea what you're talking about because, you know, my throat's sore and you told me my throat's sore. But then you've given it some complicated name. So, so I kind of understand, but at the same time I don't. So, so this is what Jesus is saying here, or the disciples are saying, hey, we understand, but at the same time they still have a lot to learn. They understand what Jesus has spoken about. They understand about the kingdom of God. But two chapters later in Matthew 15 verse 16, Jesus says, are you still without understanding? You know, he's taught them again and it's all seemed to gone out the window. They're not sure what to do. They're not sure what, what he's talking about. It shows that the disciples understood, but at the same time had much to learn. And that's a good place to be when I, when I think about it. It's a good place for us to be as Christians. That, that, we're, not, that we're not just puffed up, we're not... Say we know it all. You know, we, we've got all the information. We don't need any more. We're not even open to, there's no desire to learn. There's no desire to grow. Our lives should be lived in such a way that we, we seek to fully understand. But at the same time, we seek to know more. And again, I, I, think, of, I think of a tree. You know, it can be the biggest tree. It can be the largest tree you've ever seen. It has the best root structure it survives the, the strong winds, but at the same time, it's still growing. It, it, it's, it's rooted and it's grounded and it's all built or it's, it's strong, but at the same time, it still grows. And, and as Christians, that should be our desire, that we become secure, we become solid, but at the same time, we seek to grow and learn more about God daily. Jesus jumps straight into this parable that he's going to teach. And, and it's one of the shortest parables that Jesus says. It's, it's one verse. But, but this, the, the length of this parable doesn't do justice to the riches that it holds for us. 
this one verse is, is so deep and, and life-changing in, in a sense. Jesus starts by calling his disciples, if, we, if, we not, if we're not familiar with the disciples, they're fishermen, they're tax collectors. You know, as what we would call them, the common man. You know, not, they weren't, they weren't the, the best of the best. They, they still had a lot to learn, still slightly rough on the edges. But Jesus starts by calling them scribes, scribes trained in the kingdom of heaven. If you're not sure what a scribe is, Ezra gives us a great definition. In Ezra 7, verse 6, 10, and 11, says this. Now Ezra was a scribe trained in the law of Moses and the law of God that God had given to Israel. A man learned in the matter of the commandments and the law of Israel. And verse 10 says this. And Ezra set his heart to study the law and to teach the statutes and the law to Israel. So, so a scribe was someone who was, who, who was trained, who was built in the law of God. They, they knew it back to front. They knew every detail. Their job was to teach Israel how to keep the laws. It was, the, it was their job to, to make sure the laws were being followed by society. So Jesus gives his scribes or his disciples the, the position of scribes. Firstly, he gives them an elevated position. You know, scribes were trained in the law. They, they held high positions in the temple. They were the ones who taught. They were the teachers of the day that everyone flocked to hear. Jesus is calling his disciples not, not disciples of just the law, but disciples of the kingdom of heaven. The reality is that the reality is this would be clearer to them at the end when Jesus died and was raised to life. You know, it kind of all started to make sense after that. But the reason that Jesus elevates the, the scribes to this position is not to give them a title or, or status, but, but rather to give them a role that they now had to perform. They were to be scribes or teachers of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is saying to his disciples, because you understand this truth, even though not in full, in part, you are now to be teachers of this. You are now to go share it with others. The role of the scribe was to teach and explain. Therefore, the disciples says to, Jesus says to the disciples, it is now your job to teach and explain the kingdom of God to others. And as we look at this for us, you know, Matthew 28, verse 18 to 20, the Great Commission, it ends with these words, teach them to, teach them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And that's the same push that Jesus gives us. We've been given the task to be teachers of the kingdom of God. We've been given the task to tell others about the kingdom of God. And this ties in so well with, with Matthew 5, verse 17. As we, as we under, try to understand this passage in the context of what Jesus was saying. In Matthew 5, verse 17, it says, Jesus didn't come to destroy the law, but rather to fulfill it. So Jesus called in the disciples to be teachers of the law. But not just the, the Old Testament law, but the law that is fulfilled by him. This is the new and the old treasure that he has spoken about in this passage. You know, the, the old and the new. The Old Covenant or the Old Testament, the New Testament or the New Covenant. These are the treasures that, that the disciples were to teach. Before we, before we move on to, to just explain covenant is the best definition and one of the easiest ones is a God-made agreement between two parties. If we look through the Old Testament, it is between God and man or, or God and Abraham. 
So it's a God-made agreement. It's God who initiates and starts the covenant. It's never man that, that goes, we want to make a covenant with God. But rather God agrees to make covenant with men. And God sustains and God fulfills them. You know, God is faithful to his promise. As we look through the nation of Israel, you know, God said, I will make you my people. And they rejected him almost daily, weekly, monthly. You know, as soon as, as, soon as the going got tough, they, they're like, God, you know, how could you do this to us? Recently, I read about the, them going across the, the Red or, or the, the plagues leading up to the Red Sea. And they, they eventually, they're like, hey, God, we, we're going to follow you. You've got a plan for us. You know, Moses has clearly met with you. And they get to the Red Sea, and now they've got the, the, the Egyptians behind them and the water in front of them. And their first response is, why did you bring us out here to die, God? You know, you've been faithful all this time, but all of a sudden, you know, now you brought us out to die. But, but God is faithful. God is the one who keeps his covenant. The old covenant is, is the Old Testament where God tells man to keep his commands. But again, it's not just rooted or based on man keeping the commandment, but rather it's on the person of God, on who God is. Man fails at every point throughout the old covenant, but God continues to build. However, the old is important because the old covenant looks forward to the new, looks to the coming Messiah. The new covenant, again, doesn't wipe away the old because Jesus said he didn't come to destroy the law but to fulfill it. I mean, it, it would be, if Jesus said he came to destroy it, we could tear out our, our Old Testament and just read the new. But he says he came to fulfill what the old was about. The new introduces to us grace, the, the fact of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. However, it's still fully and firmly built on the person of God. He's the one who started and he's the one who sustains. Our salvation is not based on us but rather on him and who he is. So again, this verse shows us the need for both the old and the new. The, new is the old is imperfect without the new, while the new doesn't make sense without the old. If you were to open your Bible and just start reading from Matthew 1, there wouldn't need to, we wouldn't see a need for a savior, because you know man wouldn't have a problem. But Genesis 3 points, points out sin. You know, there's... There's this groaning of, of a Messiah that's coming. And, and again, but, but, but in saying that we need both, we understand this in a, in a supplemental way, that, that the one makes up for where the other one has a deficiency. The, the new makes up for where the old was deficient. And again, the medical world helps you. You know, you don't, you don't take supplements if you don't need them. You know, you don't take calcium because you have a runny nose. Rather, you take calcium if you need to strengthen your bones. And, and this is what it's saying, that, that the one supplements the other. The new supplements the old, that it makes them both perfect. In saying they're supplemental in nature, the, the verse gives us a, an interesting thing where it says the treasure that is brought out is the new and then the old. However, they, they're supplemental, it also there's an order in which they appear. The, the new comes first. The new makes, the old makes sense. Focusing on the old covenant alone leads us to become legalistic. You know, I need to do this. I need to keep this. I need to make sure I do this, 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 and this. Then God will love me. 
However, the other side, just focusing on the new, goes, oh, there's grace. I can do whatever I want. God will forgive me. We, we need them both for, for a balanced view. Interesting. I was interesting. I was reading Philippians about two or three weeks ago, and, and I thought about it when I was preparing. And we see that Paul in Philippians 1 verse 1 says, I am a servant of Jesus Christ. That's how he introduces himself. I am a servant of the new covenant. Philippians 3 Verse 3 and 4, 4 and 5, he goes at the end, he goes, you know, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. I, I'm trained in the law. I know all of that stuff. However, I count it as a loss for knowing Christ. For knowing Christ. So, so he understands that there's a balance between the two. He, he focuses on the new, but he, but he remembers the old. They both are important to him. They both are, are what he needs. So what does this mean for us? You know, that as believers today, we, we are called to teach, we are called to study, we are called to learn both the old and the new. The old points to Christ. We, we get a fuller picture of, of, of the sacrifice that Christ paid when we, when we look through the Old Testament and see that Israel had to continually sacrifice every year to pay for sin. While the new shows us Christ, we have become... We, the news shows us that we've become part of the kingdom of Christ. There's a need for both. We need to get a, a healthy diet. We can't just snack on the New Testament because it's, because it's easy to understand or, or it makes us feel good. We ought, we ought, we ought to be the scribes of, of the whole word of God. We ought to teach the old and the new. We ought to study the old and the new. The Old Testament shows us more about God. There's, there is treasure there. We need to get stuck in and find it. But, but moving on to, to practically, how does this apply to us? You know, what does this verse mean for us as, as the church today? And, and there's just three, three important points. Firstly, the new shed, sheds light on the old. The scribe of Jesus' day knew the law back to front. They knew every single part of it, every single detail. That was their job. However, they were stuck just with that. If you look through the, the, the Gospels, the scribes were often included with the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And their, their number one hatred, the thing that they all agreed on, was Jesus. You know, they all wanted him dead. They were, they were so focused on keeping the law. They were so focused on keeping what, what they had that Jesus was rocking the boat and, and he needed to go. And, and Jesus flips this and says to his disciples, you are to be scribes of both the, old, the new and the old. This is why Jesus refers to them both as treasure. You know, it's not one or the other, but rather they are of equal value. An interesting example I read about this is if you walked into a room filled with the greatest treasure of the day, you know, diamonds, gems, gold, silver, and, and you walked into this room except it was in the middle of the night, and it was dark, and there was no lights. You know, there's still treasure there, you just can't see it. However, when, when the morning comes and the sun shines through the, that, that glass, that, that treasure lights up. You see every little gem, every little piece of gold. You see all the detail that there is there. And, and this is what Jesus is saying, that the, that the new sheds light on the old. The new brings, brings the old to life. They, they need them together for it to work. The, the, the old shows the new in its, the new shows the old in its full glory. 
One author says that the Old Testament authors were, were almost in a rush to, to get to the Messiah. You know, even though the Old Testament makes up the biggest chunk of your Bible, there's, a, there's many places where it will go, it was this year, like, and then the next verse is like 300 years later. There's this period of just going, we're pushing forward, we're wanting to get to the Messiah. Augustine says that, that God inspired and authored both the Old and the New Testament. He wisely arranged the New Testament to be hidden in the Old and the Old to be evident in the New. The next one kind of comes from, from R.T. Kendall. I was probably, probably one of the few authors that has a, a large commentary on, on this passage. And he, he rightly illustrates it this way. He says that the old could be seen as the word of God, while the new could be seen, seen as the work of the Spirit. You know, I think this passage helps us to, to understand that the need to combine them, that we need to desire the word, but we also need to desire the Spirit. Again, it's a, it's a balanced diet. It's a healthy diet. We need to strive for, for both. We can't just neglect one for the other. And, and carrying this illustration forward of, of the new being, being the spirit and the old being the word, we, we see that they're perfectly tethered. You know, I've, I've seen these, these boats, a, a thin, hollow, carved-out boat with, a, with an outrigger on one side. You know, the boat alone is, is unstable in, in the strong winds, in the rough seas. And the outrigger by itself isn't big enough to go on. It, it, they kind of seem like they have to be together. But when you combine them, you have a boat that is stable and lightweight. It can ride through the storms and can carry a heavier load than before. We, we need both the Word and the Spirit. R.T. Kendall says, the more of the Spirit... The more of the Spirit you have, the more the Bible becomes precious to you. The more you understand the Word, the more valuable the input is into your life. However, we can, the reality is that we, our desire often is to untether these two. We, we, we either want the Spirit or we want the Word. We can only desire the Spirit in the sense that we, we feel like the old needs to be pushed into the back of the cupboard. You know, you get new clothes and the old clothes just work their way further and further down the road. We, we, we only want this new, this new spirit. We strive for the emotional highs. We, we want to feel the move of the spirit. But the reality is that we often miss the depth that's in God's word. However, we only, the other, other side of the coin is we often only want to desire the word. We have no desire to see the spirit move. We have no desire for anything more than just the word. We are happy to just sit and float around. R.T. Kendall says, Without the Spirit, the Word makes people perfectly orthodox, but at the same time perfectly useless. We need to have a desire for the Word as well as a de desire for the Spirit. This will res result in us becoming like the master of the house, who is rich because he brings out both the new and the old. It was not the new, it was not the old that gave him wealth or the new that brought riches, but rather together they made a treasure. We need a desire, a combination of, the both, of both. And, and finally, as, as I close, the result is that knowledge of the Word and insight, of the, insight from the Spirit equals life. 
God's word is, is useful for teaching. The Bible is useful, useful for teaching, correcting, training in righteousness. You know, it equips us for every good work. It shows us the depth of God's love. It shows his mercy plan in, in sending his son. It's God's written word to us. It's vitally important. We are to study it. We are to read it. We are to grow in it. We are to know it. It's, it's God's letter to us. It's God's word written to us. Excuse me. But also at the same time, God has sent his spirit, the comforter, the counselor. John 14 verse 26, the spirit will teach us all things and bring to remembrance all things that I've taught you. So the spirit is a teacher, but at the same time, the spirit reminds us of what we've read in God's word. It, it, it prompts us to that verse when we need to share it. It, it reminds us of the, the depth it gives us insight into, into those things we don't understand. The Spirit also convicts, it, He leads, He guides, He prompts, He pushes, and He calls out. And together, this is where there's life. The Word, which is the truth, plus the Spirit, of, the one who reminds us of the truth, equals life. It, it can't just be a one or the other, church. It, it, it's something that we need to strive for both. We need to desire God's Word but at the same time, we need to be open to the leading of the Spirit. And as I close, there's a, there's a verse in, in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. It says this, But because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in the power and in the Holy, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with the full conviction. And, and that's the reality today, that as we go out and, and become the teachers of the old and the new, that we can just go out and, and, and force the word down people's throat. You know, this is what you need to know. This is what you need to do. Yeah, it is written. You see, you see, you see. But this verse shows us that it was the word and the spirit. The spirit is the one who changes our life. The spirit is the one who, who softened that heart that we, we look at and go, that person will never come to faith. But the spirit is the one who is able to, to soften that heart. The gospel came by word and by spirit. So as we go out, church, our, our call is that is, that is our, our push. That, that we, need a, we need to understand the word, but at the same time, we need to be sensitive to the work of the spirit. Where is he leading? Where is he guiding? And when we have both the word and the spirit, we have life. Like, like I said, the, the homeowner here was rich. He was able to bring out the treasure, both the old and the new. It wasn't just one, but he was able to bring out both. He was able to put them out on the table for everyone to see. And today, as, 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 as believers, we have access to both. We have the word. You know, at, at any point you can walk into, I mean, I saw them at Checkers the other day. Checkers were selling Bibles. So it's not even like you have to go to a Christian bookshop to buy a Bible. Checkers in Vincent was selling them. So we have access, we have full access to the word, but at the same time we have full access to the spirit. And church, we need to be able to tap into both. We need to desire the word as much as we desire the spirit in our life. We need to be open to the spirit, working to the spirit, leading to the spirit, guiding. Let me close in prayer. Lord, just thank you for your word. Thank you that your, your word teaches us, that your word corrects us. Lord, but also thank you that you sent one who is like you, Lord, in, in your spirit.
Lord, your, your spirit guides us, your spirit leads us, convicts us. Lord, thank you for both. Lord, thank you that, that in combination we have life through them. Lord, and, and life to the full. So Lord, just pray for, for each of us today that, Lord, whichever side of the coin we, we naturally want to flip onto, Lord, that, that you'll help us to, to explore the other side. Lord, that, that the word will still remain precious to us, Lord, but your spirit will become more active in our life. And Lord, for us, some of us, who are, the spirit is, is everything, Lord. Give us a, a desire for, for your word, a desire for to grow more in you, to see your love story written out for us, Lord. So Lord, I just pray for this in your name. Amen.